As health and wellness providers, we know that better patient outcomes require a whole person, multidisciplinary approach that we just can't provide on our own. That's why I've started the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I'll be bringing you interviews with experts, tips, tricks, secrets, resources, systems, and solutions so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And creating your wellness center won't feel like starting over. Jane is an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features like online booking, admin scheduling, integrated payment processing, and charting. But there's more to Jane than you might think. The team at Jane cares a lot about the problems you face as a practitioner. One of those problems is the prevalence of no-shows and late cancellations in practices. So they've made it easy for you with a few simple tools built right into Jane. That includes the ability to implement an online booking payment policy, send out unlimited texts and email reminders, and enabling waitlist management features to fill those last-minute gaps that weren't preventable. Come see Jane in action at jane.app. If you know you're ready to sign up, you can mention the show for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Welcome back, everyone, to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. Today on the show, we have Tara Vossen-Kemper. Tara, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you. Thank you. <laughs> if you could start by telling our audience just a bit about yourself and how you got to be doing the work you're doing. Yeah. So uh, my name is Tara Vossen-Kemper, like Kendall said, and I got to hear a little bit accidentally, honestly. So... I went through my master's level as an, you know, master's level program. I finished up, I became an LPC. I shifted into a PhD program and I went the academic route first. So I was in academia very, very briefly and I had my first baby there and I realized how much I did not value being there. I love academia. I like higher ed, but it's not a fit for me. That environment is not a fit. So I shifted full-time into a private practice and that grew, that's the accidental piece. Like it's now a, a pretty, I don't know about pretty large, but for me, it's a, it's a decent sized group practice. I have over 20 employees. And so from that point, I also met a lot of other group practice owners and I was given feedback about the things I was good at that also aligned with things that I loved. And so it was a little bit like, I'm realizing uh, this is very important to me and I'm receiving feedback from other group practice owners who are struggling in these regards about this thing that I'm, I'm also good at it. And so it's a little bit happenstance. I would say it's more intentional at this point, but kind of happenstance in the beginning. So yeah, I think that that answers. I can get long winded. Absolutely. I think, (laughs) no, that's great. And for people that don't know the, the acronyms LPC and things like that, Tara is a uh, mental health provider um, with a group mental health practice. And you said you have 20 therapists on your team. Well, 20 employees. Um, The Mm -hmm. goal, I think there's 16 therapists, 20 employees total. And the goal is to have 
like in 10 years, we want, you know, 80 therapists or something. The vision is to okay. have a, a large, a large therapy practice large. with some like different services, but with uh, mm-hmm. the bulk of the employees being therapists, providers, clinicians. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Super so cool. you don't get to 16 therapists or 80 therapists without really being intentional about team culture. Mm-hmm. And so this is something you're very passionate about. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about team culture, business culture a bit, especially in the realm of group practices. Why is it important? Uh, Let's start there. Why is it important? (laughs) Um, Well, I think that the, this isn't like my answer. This is, I think, an answer people like hearing or that, that's sort of out there. You know, the financial component to team culture is that it increases profitability. So, healthier culture you have, the more your profits increase, which of course we know profit is all about stability and like long-term stability. I would say it's also important though, in that I don't know about you. I don't want to work at a place that I don't like. Like (laughs) I'm not interested in staying somewhere where I don't feel valued or supported or cared for as a human. Like I don't want to be a cog in a wheel. I would like to be an active and integrative integrated part of a, a larger system that has like forward momentum in the direction that I also want to go. And so for me, it's important because it sucks to be somewhere where you don't feel seen and you don't feel valued. And so like, that's my, like, that's my answer. And, and also the bonus is like, Hey, and it's good for employee retention and it's good for increasing profits. So there's like some additional mm-hmm. bonuses that go along with it. Absolutely. So you strike me as a group practice owner where employees will come to you and you're actually giving them a reparative experience in work. And yeah, Yeah, that does happen. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I'm curious what you see, like in those experiences or other practice owners you've talked to, what do you see other groups missing? And this is not to say they're bad and you're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to say, like, what are those common mistakes? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good question. So it's funny because the reparative piece, I never, I, that was never something I thought about. It just happened. It, it was almost like a, an inadvertent benefit, you know, like this was never an, an intention, but it ended up being a really common theme for people who were coming to work with us. So, um, I think that the answer to your question depends on where people are coming from. So I would say we've had clinicians come from agency work, for example. And so there, the majority of what I've heard, and again, these are people leaving. So it could also be that my sample is skewed. I'm sure that that's a possibility. That's Maybe that's probable. But people who are leaving places like that, they basically just feel like a set of numbers. So um, your productivity has to be so much you, you're not really valued. I don't mean to just keep harping on that, but it's like um, a clinician has a family emergency. If there's a a death in the family at at an agency, these are real examples. You know, someone has a death in the family, someone has a major illness that occurs and the response from higher ups is, okay, when are you going to come back though? Like, when are you going to be back in the office? You're not hitting your numbers it's cold, you know, it's like a cold sort of callous response. And I I can understand a a need to focus on numbers, of course, but also like you have a real person who's sitting in this chair that you are responsible for making sure has 
like a, a good experience, I would say a good experience at the business that you are, you know, either running or in leadership or management at, you know, so Absolutely. that's like agency. I would say for other group practices, um, I, I honestly, I don't, this is, that's a hard question. I don't exactly know if there's like um, common things that are missing from like the specific group practice experience, or if it's like, um, people who are in charge don't realize what it takes to build a healthy culture. And I, I don't yes. mean like these big sweeping movements. I just mean these like key pieces that we should have in place and that we should be tuned into because they are the things that help keep a healthy culture, like cultivate it and also keep it thriving. Exactly. I think that's the thing. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of well-intentioned leaders and yeah. practice owners and who are amazing providers and they start out on this journey to own a business and then hire employees. And mm -hmm. like you said, not realizing the actually on a systemic level, foundationally, what it takes to maintain a healthy culture that's really different and that where people really want to stay for a long time and be part of that. Yep. Um, and it, and it takes, it takes a lot of energy. Yes. It's a different way of working and, and it take it's, it's in the small moments and details and it's also in the larger systems and structured ways of doing that. So yep. let's talk about some of the ways, some of the tangible and almost intangible ways that you do that in your group practice to really cultivate a healthy culture. Yeah. So I can give, um, I, I won't go meta. I'll like try to stick with like, these are the specific things we do, but I will say that there are six, almost like six filters and three of them are focused on cult practice culture and three of them are focused on employee satisfaction. So like practice culture wise, some very, I think basic, but some very important and basic things that we do are from our high, this is like even in our hiring process, we have a really thorough hiring process. And so we have a phone screen with my clinical director who he screens all of the um, clinical candidates. And from there, he says yes to a second interview. And during that second interview, it's a two and a half to three hours, depending on the person. We do a meet and greet where leadership is gone and we just have our clinical team, some of our admin team, maybe they're just there hanging out with that candidate. And so it's really like, hey, ask us anything. And these these people aren't reporting back to us about what they're asking or, you know, they're this way. You know, it's literally like get a feel for what it's like here. We do a, a case conceptualization, which is really like, here's a fake client. What are your thoughts? Here's a, you know, we give a list of questions. And then we do a counseling session to see how people show up. And then we, we provide feedback along the way. So I'm saying this because as an example, one of the reasons I want to provide feedback in real time is because I want to know how people respond to it. Is someone going to double down and become defensive about what they said, or they're going to um, really become defensive and like, again, double down on what they're saying, or are they going to be open and receptive and curious about the feedback that they're receiving? Not that our feedback is all knowing, of course, but it's the, the act of like providing feedback. How is it received? So that's one thing. And then there's also sort of like for, forced vulnerability, which maybe sounds gross, but the idea of somebody doing mock counseling, if anybody's ever gone through any sort of clinical program, you do a lot of role plays, you record yourself doing therapy, you play it with your supervisor, you play it with a group of other th therapists to get feedback. 
it's very vulnerable. Vulnerability yeah. is a really good thing for culture. And so what we do is we're like, when we play mock clients, we're acting vulnerably as well by showing up. So like, we're sort of forcing this concept of vulnerability, which is, I don't need someone to bear all, but you have to put yourself out there a little bit, you know, that's a really healthy part of a culture. So another piece to this, just again, in the hiring process is it's a little bit exclusionary. And what I mean by that is you, you're going through one sort of gate at the beginning with a phone screen. And then you have the second gate, which is more of a formal interview. We have people that will withdraw when they see the formal interview piece. And it's not like, I don't, I don't mind. It's, you know, it's really like, Interviews are about bi-directional fit. You know, it's not just us saying you're good enough. It's, do you want to be here? And also, okay, this exactly. is what we do. And so it's it's both of us, you know, having a say in this. And it, the exclusionary piece, um, when you're in, then it's also the flip side of that. I would say once you're like through the process and if you've been, you know, given an offer, you belong here. Like you are now a part of us. And so it's, again, we've got this vulnerability component. We've got this belongingness component. These are really important pieces to healthy, thriving culture and people feeling good about being here. That is very important to me. So that's like one example. I have more, but I think that's like one sort of tangible way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the the vulnerability piece is really, really important. And it can be, it can be taken too far and it can be Mm -hmm. taken out of context. And so it's important to, to really think about what that means for you and your business. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've learned over the years and seen over the years and that I coach people on is how to be vulnerable as a leader Mm -hmm. in a way that creates trust and relationship and helps grow the culture. And it's, it's really, really important to, to be a human as a leader and to also show up in the ways that your team needs you to, um, in being clear and competent and all of those things. But like you said, if you're going to ask someone to come in for two and a half hours and do a mock counseling session and do a case conceptualization mm-hmm. that you're also going to show up in that way and say, well, let me be the mock client. Let me show you a little bit of who I am, right? Yeah. Um, And there's lots of different ways to do that. On our team, we we have a three to four step interview process and the... The practical interview part is really important. So mm-hmm. when you, a lot of our listeners are multidisciplinary practices. So, you know, for therapy, that might be a mock counseling session mm-hmm. or case conceptualization. For acupuncture and massage, it's going to be, a you know, a 60-minute treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that case, uh, you are you're seeing in that moment, is this provider comfortable and confident in the room enough to get to give their future employer a treatment. Yes. Right. Yep. And you're being vulnerable and saying, well, I'm going to get on the table and I'm going to receive yeah. this treatment. And, yeah, right. you know, that involves taking my clothes off and all of those things. Um, yeah. So it goes both ways. And, and that's mm-hmm. a really important piece. Mm-hmm. Hey there, this is Katie from Jane. We're delighted to be a part of your listening experience today. Here at Jane, we're on a mission to help the helpers. In other words, we're doing everything we can to help you create a thriving business. We do that by offering features like online booking, scheduling, billing, and charting. 
We also make it easy for you to use Jane to reduce no-shows and late cancellations in your practice. You'll find that by requesting a credit card on file and enabling text and email reminders, no-shows will drop off significantly, saving you time and potential loss in revenue. Head on over to jane.app to learn more about us or mention the show for a one-month grace period if you know you're ready to get started. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, and I think this notion, I'll say also, my concept of culture is not my own. That I am, um, well, yes, no. So I would say that I, years ago, I read The Culture Code by Daniel Coyle, one of my top three favorite books ever, ever, ever. And it mostly validated and gave a framework for stuff that we were already doing. And so I think that's why it just spoke to me so much, but vulnerability and belongingness. And then also this notion of purpose, like what direction are you going? How are we in this together, et cetera. So I, I have to like give credit where it's due and I don't want it to be like, these are my ideas because they are not. Yeah. So that's all. Well, at this point, are, are there any original ideas? No, I don't think I, so. I mean, are, are really, <laughs> no, there really are none. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we all borrow from each other, but it's, it's mm-hmm. in good spirit and in, um, creating workplaces that, you know, are places that people want to be. And it's yes. the impact of that is, is bigger than, than we even realize. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, sometimes we, I come to work and I have to remind myself, like most people don't get to work in an environment like this every day. And, you know, in a physical space that is serene and with a group of people mm-hmm. that want to be here and that respect each other. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's really, really important. These are, these are, this is people's lives. Yes. You know, this is what they're choosing to do with their life. And so as practice owners and leaders, we have an opportunity to make a, make a, a really positive impact in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that we, um, that's always hard for me to wrap my mind around because it's been such a, I'm not, I don't want to say easy, but it's been such a a simple move. Like why would you not want a place where people wanted to be? And so, and it's been long enough that I've been long enough removed from places where I don't necessarily feel that way, that it's, it's weird to think that there are still places that aren't focusing on this. You know what I mean? Like that's still a, that's still an experience a lot of folks have. And so that's just a bizarre sort of thing to try to wrap my mind around. It's, it's just bizarre. I think that that's ultimately it. Yeah. I think like we were saying earlier, I don't think practice owners set out with ill intention ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, we always want to help people. That's why we went into helping professions. But I think where, what happens is, sometimes group practice owners don't know how to do that, Mm -hmm. right? They Mm -hmm. want to create a place where people want to work, but they also want to create a place that stays open and the lights (laughs) can stay on, right? Those two things are sometimes it's, it's really difficult to figure out how, how can those two things coexist? Yeah. And, and, the answer a lot of times is that yes, money is important, but money is not the only way to show that someone is valued and appreciated. Mm-hmm. 
it's part of the way to show that, right? Mm-hmm. And fair compensation, competitive compensation, but it's not the only way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just had somebody who um, has been open about wanting to earn more money, very open. Yeah. It's been like an ongoing sort of discussion. And I've been, I think to the extent that I am like comfortable, there's always this like, I'm reaching the point of like, I think this is too much information for an employee to have. And also this is fine. There's a little bit of a gray zone, but knows that we have limitations, you know, based on what insurance is paying based on our private pay rate, there are absolutely limitations to what compensation looks like in terms of a a direct wage and not necessarily benefits or anything like that. And Mm so um, very recently wanted in essence, like wanted to leave based on compensation elsewhere. And I'm supportive of that. It's sort of like, yeah, I've, You've been talking about this, I understand, almost immediately reached back out, rescinded their resignation and sort of reiterated exactly what you said. Like, I have gotten so much out of here. It's not worth it for me. Like, that difference is not actually worth it based on all of the other value I receive. And me, I understand that too. It's sort of like, there's a, it feels like there's a cost every direction that you go, you know, whether you decide to from basic, like accept insurance or not pay this wage and not offer benefits or pay less and offer benefits or do it's contractor work versus employee work and who's eating some of the cost of the taxes. And I guess all of that to say, um, it, it is very hard. I think it's very hard to find a resting place for oneself And then also like hold true to that when so much of what I want to do is give all of it to my employees. But I know, A, that's not sustainable. And B, if the business goes under, all of these people are screwed over. Yep. And so it's still, you know, it's just. And all the clients and patients that we serve. Right. It's a ripple effect. So It's a ripple effect. Yes. Yeah. I feel like we could have a whole nother episode just on that piece. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I'll have to have you back because this has been a really insightful conversation. I think it's been helpful to our listeners. So Tara, you, if I'm not mistaken, you do consultation with group practice owners. Yeah. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So tell us about that. Tell our listeners how they can find you. Yeah. So I do consultation. I'll say that it's not something that I have given as much time and energy to as my group practice. The goal is to move more into consultation as the practice continues to mature, 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 whatever, however you want to say that. (laughs) It's hard to say it with braces too, mature, (laughs) you know. So with consultation in particular, my love is culture. I love it. It's embedded in everything. It's embedded in the hiring process. It's embedded in our monthly meetings, our quarterly meetings, our even our swag that we give people, all of it. It's like all of it is influenced by culture, period. Like that is a filtration system or filtration for decisions and movement in the practice. So culture is huge for me. And and I always think of, you know, what, what what's a marker for maybe you don't have a good culture. Honestly, people keep leaving. Like if you yeah. continue to make bad hires, if people keep leaving, if you... um are getting a lot of like resistance from your employees. If you're sort of like, something's wrong. Like what people don't seem happy or they're not satisfied or they're not engaged. Those might be like, for me, those indicators point to culture as being a culprit, a possible, maybe probable culprit. So all things culture. I love the hiring process. It is 
I think people really devalue that process. They talk to somebody on the phone and they're like, yeah, you seem like a great fit. Let's do it. There's no practical component to it. There's no team component to it. There's no follow-up component. Like there's nothing that would actually help you make a really informed decision about if you want to make an offer to this person, which then for me bleeds over into culture because now you're bringing somebody on. You don't even know if they're actually a good fit. They don't know if you're the right fit for them. You're making every time you hire someone to your team, it impacts your group. It impacts your culture. Yes. Um, It comes back to the psychological theory, Tuckman stages of group development. It's going to move your, your team into a different phase of that group development every time someone comes on or someone leaves. Um, So, you know, moral of the story today is take your time in the hiring process and be extremely intentional. And it sounds like Tara can help you with that. So if, Mm -hmm. if, if someone wants to book with you, what, how can they do that, Tara? Yeah. So they can go to, um, taravossenkemper.com or Dr. Tara Voss. I think it's Dr. Tara Vossenkemper.com. Oh my gosh, Tara. <laughs> Let's see. Tara DR. Your Tara socials Voss- are Dr. Tara Vossenkemper. <laughs> okay. I think it's Dr. Tara Vossenkemper. <laughs> if that doesn't work, just try Tara Vossenkemper.com. <laughs> We'll put it. In, we'll put it in the show notes and all the posts. So, don't worry. We'll get yeah. you to the right place. We, we have it together today. Yeah. So then, from there, I will say I have an intro call set up. So I, I like to do intro calls again. It's for me. It's goodness a bit. They're very brief, but just to make sure what's your problem or problems, and can am I actually the right person to help? I'll say one other thing. So culture hiring, um, organizational structure is also something I love. Like. Who are you moving into leadership roles? How do role alignment, yep. role clarity, like the the sort of hierarchy and structure of the system? Oh, I love. I really, really love that. Yes. So fun. Okay. Well, yeah. you're definitely coming back on the show because we have okay. more to talk about. <laughs> okay. There's probably more to talk about. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was so great to chat with you today, Tara. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Kendall. It's been fun. Thanks so much for listening to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please visit our website at wellnesscentercreators.com for more show notes and additional episodes. By the way, I love hearing from listeners. Please send me an email at Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L-L at wellnesscentercreators.com with your feedback. And if you send me a question, maybe I'll read it on the show anonymously, of course. Thanks so much again for listening and we'll catch you next time on the Wellness Center Creators Podcast.